1: Already have, and you could make a few small changes to get yourself on that path to wellness. In my course, I'll show you how to detox each and every room of your house and create a healthy home environment. And welcome back to the show, everybody. We are sponsored by Christian Mix 106, the widest variety of Christian music, bringing people to Jesus each and every day. Go to ChristianMix106.com to listen to our live streaming. Today's episode, I'm so excited. And let me tell you, there's a backstory to even getting this episode going. Maybe Jen and I will talk about it. But today we've got Jen um, Malachi with us. Sorry, I have a grandson named Malachi. So of course I'm gonna say that. (laughs) She supports busy health-minded professionals in taking back control of their health by giving them access to the right lab tests, the right resources so that they can find the missing pieces of their health puzzle. Actually fix what is wrong and get back to feeling like themselves again. She's using over a decade of personal training experience. She's been trained in functional diagnostic nutrition and a transformational coach. She creates personalized health rebuilding programs for clients that are realistic and sustainable for long lasting results. And that empowers clients to be the boss of their own health. And I love that. If you're ready to look at the big picture... Of your health, not just disconnected one piece at a time, um, and to embrace healthy as a way of being. Listen to that being, and to stop settling for anything less than you deserve when it comes to your health and happiness. And Jen is exactly who you've been looking for. I'm really excited to dig in today with Jen. Jen, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for agreeing to come on.
2: Yeah, happy to be here and happy that we could make it happen today.
1: Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> I don't even remember what happened. I think we had, I had a mess up with time and and oh and it, it just ended up being this is just this this was the when it was supposed to be happening is today. Yes. So we're just yes. gonna go go with that. You know, I always talk to people about our health is a big, huge jigsaw puzzle, right? We get to piece all this together and we and we create a beautiful picture when we're all done. It, um, jigsaw puzzles are one of my favorite favorite things to do um, for self care, <laughs> and, and so I love this analogy. I'm like when I, when I read that about you, I'm like, oh, we're going to get along so so well. <laughs>
2: yes, <laughs> it's so important. It's so incredibly important. Like as my mentor and the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, Reed Davis says, you know, would a, a you know detective go into the house and check the basement and the attic, but not the living room? So <laughs> We need to be health detectives in the sense that we're looking at all of the pieces of the puzzle to collect all the clues and figure out what's really going on.
1: Well, and, and that's so, so important. And I think, you know, I've read so much about you and there's so many things that we could talk about, um, you know, like, for instance, you say that your version of healthy is going to change over time. Yes. Right? You know, my version of healthy today, seven years into my health and wellness journey is much different than it was seven years ago when I started, you know, seven years ago, I just didn't want to have a headache every day, you know, it was like, it it just is so different. And I love that you talk about that, but let's, let's first dive into the testing. You know, I, I think there's a lot that we can talk about with this. Um, with the testing because I want you to tell us the difference and I love that you went through Reed Davis's program. I had him on just a a little while ago. He's fantastic. But there's a difference between lab testing that you can get at your doctor and and what functional lab tests will do. Can you talk to us a little bit about that difference?
2: Yeah, so there's a huge difference. And you know, the the lab tests that we get through our doctors sometimes, you know, they're what is considered conventional, you know, lab testing, they're going to look at your cholesterol, your blood pressure, even if you get a complete blood chemistry panel, where they're looking at things like, you know, CRP values for inflammation or glucose or HbA1c, or some of the other factors that are on there. They give us somewhat of a broader picture that doesn't have much detail. And what I find is that anytime a client comes to me with a complete blood chemistry panel or I even run mine my, one myself, it always points back to I need to go get the rest of the clues from some of the functional lab tests. And the function, the functional lab tests are looking at the physiological aspects of what is actually going on in the body. Okay. So functional lab tests are more things that instead of being blood-based, they're more saliva, stool, and urine based, we do do some blood based testing for things like food sensitivities or thyroid that you can really like accurately test through blood values. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just pick the the Dutch test to start with as a functional lab test. It's one of my favorites. It's become you know gaining a lot of popularity in the functional health industry. And that's because this test is so comprehensive. And so like, just to use that as a comparative, you know, on a blood test, when we are looking at sex hormones, for example, they usually will only test maybe one or two of the estrogen values on a Dutch test. We're actually looking at three. And in addition to that, we're looking at phase one estrogen metabolism. Like how is the body actually breaking down estrogen? How is it moving through the liver that gives us insights about liver and detoxification? As well as insulin resistance and all these other things that are going on that you would actually never be able to pick up on a blood test. And on a blood test for sex hormones, we're often looking at the bound hormone value, which is what's unavailable. It's kind of like the byproduct that's already been used. Versus when we do something like a Dutch test, which is urine-based or even a saliva test, we're looking at the active available hormone, mm-hmm. which is again that physiological aspect of what is available there for the body to actually be utilizing. What is it processing? What is happening? And Mm -hmm. so the functional lab testing just really gives us a more um, detailed view of what's going on. Uh, A stool sample test is another really great one. Often, like a lot of people will say, Mm -hmm. I have, you know, I have um, high CRP values on my blood test, which is basically inflammation. It's inflammatory marker, but it's very general. Like where is the inflammation coming from exactly? Right. Right? right. So then we can run something like a GI map stool sample test where we can look at Calprotectin, which is an inflammatory marker. And we can say, okay, now we've isolated inflammation specifically coming from the intestinal lining, you know, and now we can also see all these pathogenic bacterias or yeast or parasites that are contributing to that internal stress and inflammation. And then You know, pairing that with something like a Dutch test that shows us cortisol values and cortisol rhythm, now we can see the insights about chronic stress and inflammation, which you can't see on a blood test. So it's just this more comprehensive
1: thing. Right. No, I I taught. And listen, I went into my health and wellness journey. Um, seven years ago and I didn't start testing until about two years ago. <laughs> Let mm. me tell you, you know, you can save yourself a lot of time and energy to actually get the right test done. And in fact, I'm doing my very first Dutch test. I should be getting it in the mail here. I think today or tomorrow. Um, we did a, uh, an event here earlier this month called more than pink ribbons. And I, and that's where I learned that, you know, we have, you know, we can test our hormones, but we need to be looking at the the cortisol. We need to be looking at you know upstream, you mm-hmm. know, versus just the estrogen and and that type of thing. Um, but we also need to be looking at how is it breaking down in the body. It's not just that we have it or don't have it and what the numbers are of it, but how is our body um, methylizing and metabolizing
2: mm-hmm.
1: the estrogen? It's, it's like oh my gosh, so
2: exactly. much exactly. Exactly. And so you got to think about that the body is a complex network of systems. So if one system is being affected, that probably means that all the systems are being affected because there's a domino effect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I love how you said, like, we want to look downstream or upstream as to what's happening. So like a great example, when I see low hormones on a test, I, you know, one of the things that I tell my my clients to do is you got to like get back into your two-year-old self and what do two-year-olds do? They ask why about everything. Mommy, why does that do that? Why is that like that? Why is that happening? And we need to ask that. So when we see something like low hormones, the solution is not necessarily... To supplement with hormones, although if somebody's in you know pain or really like uncomfortable, they're having issues that can provide an acute you know solution. But we want to get to the bottom of well, why is that happening in the first place? So then going back and like looking at a stool sample test as a complementary test to that, we can see what's going on in the digestive system. Do they have parasites, bacteria, yeast overgrowth, high inflammation, other things that are happening in the intestines that are preventing the absorption of nutrients to be able to even produce hormone in the first place, right? right? Or the chronic stress and inflammation that's been happening internally that then downstream dysregulates cortisol, which then downstream dysregulates the rest of the hormones. So it really, we want to be looking at it, the body as this complex, you know, network of systems. And that's why I say like, you know, if you're ready to look at the whole picture and not just one disconnected piece at a time, then you're ready, you're ready to truly be the boss of your own health, because that's really what it takes.
1: How do you get people? How do I want to phrase this? One of the things that has just really been hitting me over the last, I don't know, couple of years probably, is that people just generally don't know how bad they truly feel we don't have a clue of what feeling good really feels like you know and and honestly until you get there you can't know and and I'm sure Mm -hmm. I haven't even peaked at my optimal health yet you you know there's still more forthcoming so how do you wrap that around you know for someone you know they're like hey you know I'm better than 50 now. I just know that I'm going to have aches and pains. And, you know, how do you, how, that's a question I've really been digging with for the last couple of years.
2: Yeah. I love that question. And I think that it's a societal conditioning that's happened <sighs> where um, Dr. Tom O'Brien was the first person that I heard mm-hmm. say this and I use it all the time, but, you know, just because something is common doesn't mean that it's normal. So it's common as we age for people to accumulate aches and pains or hormone imbalances or fatigue or whatever it might be, but that does not mean that it's normal. So something that I like to say is we have to stop settling for less than what we deserve when it comes to our health and happiness. Right? It's like, I'm settling. Like if you're oh, just dealing with the aches and pains or whatnot, you're settling. You're not living your life to the fullest capacity. That's probably um, available to you, and that all of us deserve to have too. By the way, yeah. And so, one of the things that really brings that to light, a tool that I use is. Uh, the intake forms or the the written assessments. So I have clients go through a very thorough intake process when they start working with me and it actually is a scoring system. So it's asking them about all of these things that they would never consider to be a symptom. Like, do you have sensitivity to light? You know, are you, uh, do you feel wired but tired at nighttime? You know, do you have a sensitivity to chemical smells? Or you know, do you find that your the um, outer third portion of your eyebrow is thinning, and so it gets them to start like paying attention to these little things that they probably have just been you know sweeping under the table for a long time, and then we get a score, and we can see like it's basically a symptom score. Like here's all the symptoms that you have that you've written off just because they're common, but this is an indication of how your body is being affected by the dysfunction that's probably going on internally and then it's great because then we can use that as a baseline as we start to work together we do some of the functional testing we implement the lifestyle changes and strategies to improve their health i'll have them redo those assessments and they can see their score and i can see people move from like a, a total symptom value of like 400 down to 100 or i've seen people get down to 25 nice and i'm the same way as you amy i mean I, before I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, I had like already kind of recouped my health once, you know, from just being a 20 something year old, eating crappy food, like drinking, like burning. Yeah. College burning the, you know, candle at both ends. Like I basically sacrificed my health to pursue my career and all those things. And, and then I found the functional diagnostic nutrition program and I got a handle on all of that. Well, Mm -hmm. then we had toxic mold in our house and diagnosed motos and estrogen dominance and the mold hit me and I was like, you know, moving through um healing that. And I never would have been somebody that said that I had brain fog. Like I wrote a blog about this that I didn't know I had brain fog until I was out of it. Because I was just a high functioning, high performing individual all the time. But it wasn't until I actually got out of the fog that I could look back and go, oh my God, I totally used to have brain fog because now I'm even more high-performing and clear-minded than I've ever been, (laughs) right?
1: That's so true. Uh, You know, my entire adult life, I was always told I had a high stress job. You know, a lot of the things that I suffered with as as an adult, you know, I was told by doctors, it's this, this, and this. And, And because I was living in that stress day in and day out, I had no idea what it felt like not to have stress until mm-hmm. I did it. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, and and honestly, you you uh, you do have to get to the other side of it. It's just getting that person to be willing to get to the other side mm-hmm. of it that we don't have to settle on. Um, you know, just like when we were kids and listening to my, you know, my mom. Now, if all the kids are jumping off a cliff, are you going to, too? You know, it's like, well, no. Well, you know, it's just like, ladies, you know, here in the United States, we have the worst menopause symptoms of any nation out there. and And so it's not normal for us to, it's normal to go through menopause absolutely we all it's inevitable we're going to go through it but we don't have to go through it at the severity that we are experiencing it here Mm -hmm.
2: yeah I think that there's a um as I have talked with about is like getting through it gracefully you know like wouldn't it be nice just to get through it gracefully it doesn't have to be this awful you know thing and and I just think in general too like us as women you know, everything about our menstrual cycle and our hormones has, has this like, you know, red flag to it (laughs) that it's like this demon of things that we have to deal with. And really, like when you learn to embrace it, I mean, that's been a huge part of my healing journey. I was on on birth control for 17 years Mm. and I talk about how it almost was like an addiction because it was, you know, to to be able to survive in a man's world as a successful female, it was a control feature. Like mm-hmm. I could control my emotions. I can control when I got my period if I didn't want it, so I could just keep pushing through all the time. And I've I really have had to work on healing that relationship with my body, and mm-hmm. embracing the feminine side of me and my feminine parts and all that they do for us. And when you do, it actually is easy. Like we don't have to have painful periods or you know horrible menopausal you know experiences either
1: did you know that many of us have symptoms of toxin overload in our bodies but we don't even know it signs of a toxic overload could be headaches fatigue insomnia skin issues like acne and psoriasis and hormonal imbalances and the list just keeps on going But the problem I had, and I'm sure many of you have had, is how can you know how well you're managing your toxic risk? That's why I've put together a free toxic risk assessment that will help you discover what products might be contributing to your toxic symptoms and what small changes you can make to detox and cleanse your health. After you take the assessment, you're going to get my free toxic free home shopping guide this is the easy button for finding the right products to shop for. These are the products I've been using in my home and the products I give my stamp of approval on. Take your free assessment now at amycarlson.com to get on the path of detoxing and cleansing your health. Exactly. Well, and I just, for the first time I learned, and I'm Fifty-five years old, so you know, and I'm I'm like, what? I just learned that when you are taking the birth control pill, you are not having a period. That is not your period.
0: It Mm -hmm. was like,
1: what? You know, so you know, there's things that there's just things that we're led to believe. To believe, you know, yeah. and, and I, I just, I just say challenge, challenge. If you know you don't feel right, if you know there's something going on with that body, challenge it. I really want to get into, um, I have no idea how long we've even been going. I'm not watching, <laughs> you know, but I want to talk about, because we're going to air right around, you know, getting into the holiday season. And I know a topic that you like to talk about is stress and sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the two and two can kind of go hand in hand, but if you don't mind, I'd really like it. If you can talk to us about some tips that you have for sleep, because this is so, so important as we get into this crazy time of year.
2: Oh my gosh. I would love to, because I think that sleep is, like I say, we have to learn to value sleep more than we value diet and exercise because you cannot out- like supplement out diet out exercise, poor sleep habits. And so sleep is the key component to everything. If you're, if you're not sleeping well, if you're not sleeping during the right times, you're basically like, you know, canceling out all of your diet and exercise efforts in a lot of ways. So a couple key things about sleep that I'd love to share with our listeners right now is one is that, you know, there's a lot of like information out there that can be overwhelming about sleep on what is the best sleep. Like there's research studies that show, oh, you need seven hours of sleep or eight hours of sleep or REM sleep is the most important thing. And so many clients will come to me and say, well, I get eight hours of sleep, but I still feel exhausted in the morning time or I don't feel good. And that's because what the single most important factor is it comes to sleep is the time frame in which you're sleeping. And Mm -hmm. this is because of your circadian rhythm as it relates to your hormones. So we have an internal body clock that is in alignment with the sun and the moon cycles. We can actually see this on that Dutch test that we were talking about. Like our circadian rhythm is basically our cortisol rhythm. So when the sun rises in the morning time, and temperature and light increase, it signals the body to release cortisol, which actually gives you energy to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And then cortisol will peak about two hours after waking. So generally you should feel your most energetic, like motivated in the morning time in that first part of the day. Okay. And then it slowly tapers off throughout the rest of the day um, to where it gets to its lowest point at nighttime. And part of what signals that to happen is when the sun sets, we have temperature and light that lower, which basically tells the body to lower cortisol values and then to release things like melatonin that supports sleep to release human growth hormone that goes around and repairs all of our cells and so, so forth, right? Mm-hmm. So because of this internal clock and the circadian rhythm, the most important time for you to be sleeping is from 10 p.m. to about 4 a.m. Okay. And you can actually see this also, like if you Google... Um, a Chinese medicine body clock, it'll give you some really great visuals because according to this internal time clock that we have, our body is doing certain functions at specific times of the day. So like your blood pressure is generally always going to be highest around 6 p.m. So like according to this clock. So if you're getting you know, you're going to the doctor after work and getting your blood pressure tested and they keep telling you you have high blood pressure, it's probably because of the time that they're testing it. Not that you actually have high blood pressure. And then related to that, for example, like our detox organs, like our kidneys, our limiter, our gallbladder, they do the majority of their work between like one and 3am essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because of this internal clock that we have and these specific features that are functions that are taking place in the middle of the night, we need to be sleeping during these times. This right. is when our body wants to be in the parasympathetic mode, our rest and digest mm-hmm. mode, where it diverts all of its resources inward to nourish the organs, to um, do digestion, you know, to take care of the cells and all of those things. So if we're not sleeping during those specific times, we're missing out on those functions. Mm-hmm. And no matter like if you go to bed at midnight, no matter how much you sleep in the next day, your body is not making up for those functions that were lost between 10 and 12. So this is where you can get eight hours of sleep and still feel crappy. Right. All right. So right. the time frame that's my number, that's tip one, I guess I would say is like, you know, as we go into the holidays, especially if you're dealing with hormone balances or fatigue or, you know, just wanting to optimize your health, getting on track with this circadian rhythm and this sleep cycle, it is life-changing. Like I've had clients that, you know, they were, you know, um, night owls. And then we get them on this 10 PM bedtime and they'll say like, Oh my gosh, Jen, even if I go to bed at 10:15, I feel hung over the next day versus if I'm asleep by 10, I feel like a hundred bucks, you right. know, that's right. huge. So that's really important. Then the question is, well, how do we get to that place if we're not already there? Because that's what some, a lot of people aren't going to bed, you know, by 10 PM. So like some people might say, well, I just feel wired, you know, at nighttime, I get like a second wind. Mm-hmm. So we want to look at some of the things that are contributing to that, you know, what we tips to help with your sleep. And what matters is like what you're doing an hour before bedtime. Mm-hmm. Like, are you stimulating your your sympathetic nervous system and cortisol you know the release of cortisol and so light can do that like if you're being exposed to bright light at nighttime it can trick the body into thinking that the sun is still up and you're still producing cortisol or it's not preparing for bed like it should be mm-hmm. um, temperature as well like colder temperatures in the evening time are better for us they support that sleep process because that's what would be nat- naturally happening outside if we were sleeping You know, in the woods, like our ancestors did. Do you? Uh,
1: I I I just heard from somebody that like sixty six to sixty eight degrees is kind of mm -hmm. optimal sleeping
2: temperature. Okay, definitely, for sure, that's great, and like glad you pointed that out. So really looking at how are you preparing yourself for a bed? Like, are you on your phone? Are you, you know, watching TV that's stressful? That's like stimulating you in some kind of way. Like, so that hour before bedtime, we really want to focus on things that are relaxing. Maybe like reading a book, meditation, taking a hot bath, essential oils, you know, spending time with family. Um, and if you are going to watch some TV or something, then using, you know, blue blocker, um, glasses to block the blue light from your eyes, but your skin also absorbs light. So I really try in, in our house, and I guide my clients to do this too. Is like turn off as many lights as possible. You know, it conserves energy. Also, you're going to save on your electricity bill. <laughs>
1: You know they put off heat and they put off you know mm-hmm. um, energy frequencies i i love that let me ask you in um darkness you know in the room you know not yes. having any of that external light because even with our eyes closed our bodies detecting that light yes uh, you know within within the room um i tell people no electronics in the bedroom
2: no electronics in the bedroom. And if you are like, you know, I use my phone as my alarm clock. So I put it on airplane mode. I put it a couple feet away from my bedstand. And, but it's not, it's not emitting any light, you know, because it's, and I put the do not disturb on mm-hmm. also so that it's not buzzing throughout the night as well. But yeah, I have, I tell clients like my little ninja trick for lights, especially if you're traveling is to have electrical tape with you. And, you know, cause like the, cable boxes in the hotel rooms, or even in your own bedroom, or the thermostat light or like whatever things and like, you know, cover up all those lights, put window coverings on your windows and kind of the way to test it is, you know, when you're laying in bed, put your hand about six inches away from your face. And if you can see it, you know, really clearly, then that probably means that there's too much light coming into the bedroom. Now, some people will say, well, what about the full moon? I mean, we're about to there's a full moon happening in like two days from today and the full moonlight's a little bit different cuz it's natural. Mm-hmm. It's not this blue light stuff that we're talking about that we get from devices or the artificial light that you get from street lights or street lamps outside your window. So that's really not as bothersome. You'll probably find that you sleep just fine with the full moonlight versus, you know, what you do with some artificial right. light essentially. Right. So yes, environment is extremely important. So temperature and light. are the two big things there, how you're preparing yourself for bed. And then the other thing that I run across a lot of times is people will say, you know what, I get up at least one time at night to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And I'll just drink so much water. I just have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And that's typically not what's happening. So usually what's going Mm -hmm. on, especially if you're waking up, approximately around 3 a.m. at nighttime is that um, what I find that highly correlates with is a drop in blood sugar. So when your blood sugar drops too low, the body releases cortisol, which is basically like getting a shot of adrenaline in the middle of the night. And what does everybody do first thing when they wake up? They go to the bathroom. So it wasn't actually that you had to go to the bathroom. You just were woken up by the shot of adrenaline. So naturally you're gonna go to the bathroom. Uh, So really fixing blood sugar balance and usually... Um, A quick fix for that is cutting back on your carb intake at nighttime or bumping up your protein and fat intake to balance blood sugar through the evening.
1: So like if your husband snacks on, uh, now mind you, my husband is not on board with a lot of the stuff that I do. (laughs) So like when he sits and eats a bowl of Tostitos crack uh, chips, yeah, (laughs) yeah. what's causing him to wake up and
2: go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Basically. Yep, exactly. Or even one of the things that I really uh, talk about is like balancing your macronutrients. So even if you're not crushing a bag of chips before bed, you could be eating like all these healthy vegetables, but maybe the ratio of vegetables to proteins and fats is off. So you need to either cut back on the pro- the portion of vegetables with your dinner or increase the portion of fat and protein to help balance it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that Yeah, learn, that learning helps.
1: that balance between carbs and protein and fat, you know, and how your body works with that was really eye-opening um, for me. Let me ask you a question as as we're getting, you know, ready to to, you know, get towards the end here is I just found it, it, it does everybody need to be doing like the 10pm on for sleep because like I found that I do really, really good going to bed about 8pm mm-hmm. and, I, and I wake up at like 435 and mm-hmm. my body has just been like on fire, yes. uh, meaning really fully energized and I feel really good.
2: Well, you're getting like bonus points than Amy. So, um, the reason that that is, is because every hour of sleep before midnight is basically worth two hours of rest. So, if we're going to slide the scale at all, you know, we can look at that window of 10 to four as like a sliding scale. If you're going to slide it at all, you should slide it earlier. I actually like, I use the aura ring to track, you know, some of my health metrics and things like that. And the aura ring is always telling me like, I perform best or I do best when I'm asleep by 9 15. So I totally understand what you're saying. And I feel the same way too. So the earlier, the better. It's just that we don't want to be going to bed any later than 10 PM. That's where we can start to disrupt that circadian rhythm. a lot.
1: Okay. Well, that makes, that makes sense because I, I started, well, when I got down to Arizona, it was dark so early. I'm like, well, I'm going to go to bed.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
1: so, my, like, all right, we're, we're going to bed. And I tell you what, I feel so, so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so
2: good. So. And that's actually a signature sign that your hormones and everything are getting back in balance is when you are in tune with that, you know, sun cycle when it gets dark and then you naturally get tired a couple hours after or right when it starts to get dark. And then you when you're able to wake up with the sunrise and this this is something like I travel a lot and I can handle traveling across different time zones and the way that i know that is because no matter what time zone i'm in when my body senses that sun shift it instantly puts me on track and that's from you know working at home to be in alignment with that circadian rhythm and then it's so much easier to take it out on the road basically oh i
1: love that and and that and that's another thing too fallacy about you know traveling and time zones and you know that type of thing that there's so many things that we can do to support our bodies so we don't get that jet lag and we don't get the Mm -hmm. you know all the different effects that our bodies have this has been such a great conversation i absolutely love it um and and thank you for sharing all of these sleep tips because i really think as especially as women, you know, we're the ones that want to make the perfect gifts and the perfect holidays and have Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And we just really want to make sure that sleep is is something that we're, you know, paying attention to and make sure that we get because we can really shift a lot of things that are going on in our body when we're getting good sleep.
2: Yes, big time. So it's better to go to bed early and then save all of the to-do things for early in the morning because you'll have more energy to do them anyways.
1: Do you understand? I mean, like... I, I used to not be an early riser at all. And even though I'm, I'm living, you know, it's just my husband and I. So it's not like I have to get up early and avoid the children. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so I had that quiet, but it it is so quiet so early in the morning. And it's just amazing. Your brain is so clear and so focused. It, it's like the prime time. I'm yes. rather to be up early than than staying up late.
2: Same. I think it's my favorite time of day for sure.
1: It is awesome. All right. Tell everybody how we can get a hold of you so that, um, you know, people that want to work with you know how how to reach you.
2: Yeah, and um, and so I can share more tips with them. I love talking more about sleep all the time. So I'm really active on Instagram. You can find me at holistic health boss. That's with a W, like the whole person or whole foods. I love that. Um, <laughs> and also active on Facebook at holistic health boss, or they can find me at my website where I do a weekly blog and newsletter, which is holistichealthboss.com.
1: I love that. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with as we as we close down.
2: Uh, yeah. You know, you mentioned something that I said earlier uh, that you read about what I say is that healthy is a um, embrace healthy as a way of being. And I think that's something that I really want to point out because we can quote unquote do all the healthy things. Like we can exercise, we can eat healthy, but if we're still being, um, as my friend Molly would say, maniacs and our life, then we're kind of canceling out all of those healthy things. So like one of the important things is if you want it, you know, it's kind of like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over. And over again, expecting a different outcome. So, if there's something going on with your health and you're like, I'm doing all the things, I'm eating healthy, I'm exercising, why am I not achieving results or why don't I feel better? Then we have to look at who we are being Mm -hmm. and how is that contributing to the way that we're feeling? And maybe, you know, learning to navigate life a little bit differently so that we actually embrace healthy as the way of being. So, just something for the listeners to contemplate a little bit there.
1: Well, you're going to have to come on for a part two so that we can get more into the being, because I think that's so, so important.
2: Hmm. I agree. It's been huge for my, me personally. I can, I can,
1: uh, when I first started this journey, I could not take a warm bath. By the time the bathtub filled up, I was ready to get out and get going. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I had no ability to settle myself. Yeah.
2: Just slow so. down. Right that's part of it yes it is part of it so hard
1: (laughs) it is thank you so much um we appreciate you coming on and being a part of the toxin terminator um and well we'll, we're gonna have to get a part two and that's all there is
2: (laughs) (laughs) thanks for having me
1: amy
0: that's all for this episode of the toxin terminator and we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health